0: The rates of childhood overweight and obesity are increasing even faster than adults, which is terrifying. And because the, as we said, once the body gets to that space, the body sets at that space. So there's a lot of compensatory mechanisms that's pushed back. The, again, a dirty secret is that diet and exercise, once you're already in a clinically obese realm, only really lead to about 5% body mass loss.
1: Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. For more information about Jay Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655 and be sure to mention this podcast.
2: Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. James Flowers. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm here today with my good friend and colleague, Dr. John Stevens. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Flowers. Nice to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. Your schedule is packed every single day. And I'm honored that you were able to take an hour or two out of your day to come over here and visit and do this podcast with Oh,
0: I love coming over here. Great people, beautiful place you have.
2: So. I love it. Thank you so much. It's good to see you in person. We talk on the phone, but we don't get to see each other every day because of our schedules. But, you know, today, what you and I decided that we would talk about, I think, is something really important. And it's overall general health. But, Dr. Stevens, you're a psychiatrist. Right. And we're going to talk. You're a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Yep. And one of your many board certifications, I should say, but today we're going to talk about something that most people don't really think a psychiatrist, oh, I'm going to talk to my psychiatrist about medical weight loss, right? So today we're going to talk about medical weight loss and what that means. We're going to talk about some statistics. We're going to talk about some medication of choice and some lifestyle implications. So first of all, Dr. Stevens, why Go to a psychiatrist and talk about medical weight loss. Talk about that.
0: Yeah, well, this wasn't something that I started my career yeah. and thought I'd be really interested in. And I have a confession for your audience. is For many years, I was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I was the culprit. Okay. And what I mean by that, before you call 911, exactly. is I'd be working with populations, especially sicker populations on an inpatient basis, whether kids, adolescents, adults, and many of the medicines that I was using were putting on weight for people, dangerous amounts of weight. Sometimes slowly and in an insidious fashion, a couple pounds a month. But And when I trained and moved to an outpatient setting, those two or three or four pounds a month over years of caring for people added up to significant and dangerous weight gain. So part of you know getting board certified in obesity and medicine, really doing that journey during COVID and mm-hmm. having the time to, to yeah. kind of focus on that, especially, was really scratching my own itch. It was because my patients were gaining weight, were developing complications of obesity, and we needed to find together interventions that would help them. You know, and on the therapeutic side
2: at Jay Flowers, we see patients every single day that when we talk about an appointment, whether it's with Dr. Stevens or another psychiatrist, they're like, oh, my gosh, please don't put me on medication that I'm going to gain weight. It's their number one complaint that we hear day in and day out from patients about medication resistance. It's I don't want to gain weight. I've tried this in the past and I gained 20, 30, 40 pounds over the years. And then they say once they gain that weight, it's harder to lose than it was prior to even being on medication. Is that,
0: you heard that? That's absolutely the case. The yeah. body has multiple compensatory mechanisms that when you're starting to gain weight, there are a lot of factors mm-hmm. that are pushing back, metabolic factors right. that are pushing back in the body that prevent you from going back to your original weight. And part of that is driven by evolutionary mechanisms. Mm-hmm. You don't want, the body doesn't want, the you know, biggest danger for most of human existence was mm-hmm. starvation. Right, yeah. Uh, so we are in now this, this really time of plenty, but too much so. Sure. And that without, you know, really being careful about what we consume and, and how we're exercising in terms mm-hmm. of how we're increasing movement, we're really at risk. There have been some studies, including one in the New England Journal of Medicine, that said in the next 10 or 15 years, practically everyone in America, could be overweight or obese. That is just, and wild. we're already at sixty yeah. percent when you count overweight and obese. Right, forty percent of Americans are clinically mm-hmm. obese. I'm not using that term in the pejorative sense mm-hmm. that it's oftentimes used. So right. this is a really a crisis, and epidemic that we're facing.
2: It is. I mean, whether no matter what part of the country that we're in, whether we're in California, Texas, New England, Southeast, Southwest, Northeast, Northwest, we see in the United States in general, we're seeing a much
0: greater level of obesity than we've ever seen before what do you think brings that on well i think it's america has done it the best we are the most overweight and obese country on the planet i think that obviously the material wealth and the Mm. nutritional wealth Mm. has created some of that as well as just technological changes we are not working the farm anymore in terms of exercise exactly and with many of our jobs whether you we talk about especially since Mm. covid is sitting at home working at your desk or your chair Mm-hmm. and just not getting really there's a imbalance mm-hmm. in energy you consumed in terms of the form of calories right. and energy burned yeah and if that imbalance it can you know persists for a while right uh, the weight will add on it's mathematical yeah. there is a small percentage probably about 5 people especially that for those that suffer childhood obesity mm-hmm. that do have genetic factors that do have underlying sure. inherited their mm-hmm. mutations And the melanocortin-4 receptor or other genes that are linked to that for the majority of people, the weight gain that contribute to overweight and obesity is environmental.
2: Yeah. You know, and speaking of COVID and uh, so the other thing that we hear a lot of is, oh my gosh, during COVID, I was immediately sent home and I worked from home and I sat at my desk all day and I gained 30 pounds over the two years or year and a half, two years that COVID was keeping so many people at home. And people haven't been able to get off of that roller coaster, weight going kind of up and down and getting back into a normal routine exercise. But what I want to talk about first is let's talk about
0: statistics,
2: right? Some World Health Organization statistics.
0: Yeah, it's not just an American problem. Obviously, we're talking predominantly American audience, hopefully outside. But the worldwide prevalence of obesity has doubled since 1980. Wow. So it is not just an American problem. But again, the way we eat is also being adopted and sometimes glamorized, I mm-hmm. mean, throughout the world with fast food, right. with sugary drink, mm-hmm. with high salt snack, these, you know, high fat and very processed and ultra processed food. I think that that is also partly to blame. Then over that time, just the rise of technology. You and I see a sure. lot of adolescents coming either Jay Flowers or in our private practice. But when you're out on the phone... You're not on the basketball team. There's just only so many hours of just, uh, you know, glued to technology that inherently is a sedentary activity.
2: Absolutely. And even in adolescence, we're seeing, you know, back when you and I were children, our parents said, see you at five o'clock or see you tonight. Go play. Go Go outside outside and play. Lock the door. (laughs) and And nowadays, teens and adolescents are just going upstairs or in the den and they're turning on their TV and getting their game out and literally
0: sitting on the sofa
2: for three and four
0: hours at a time right. and not getting any exercise out of after school. The rates of childhood overweight and obesity are increasing even faster than adults, yeah. which is terrifying. And because, the, as we said, once the body gets to that space, the body sets at that space. So there's a lot of compensatory mechanisms that's pushed mm-hmm. back. The Again, a dirty secret is that diet and exercise, once you're already in a clinically uh, obese realm, only really lead to about 5% Body mass loss. Right. So if you're, let's say, 240 pounds as an adolescent, which is not unusual, Dr. Flavors, that is not. So if yeah. you're talking about, I'm telling you, okay, if you completely change your lifestyle, get 150 minutes of movement that gets your heart rate every week, that's 150 minutes. Okay. And you cut out all the processed foods, all of the fast, you know, uh-huh. eh, no more soda, you could lose at 240, you could lose 12 pounds. It's amazing. That's not going to be that's inherently. That I mean, yeah. would you do that yeah. to lose five percent? No. You know, you, okay. say, you say they were going to say I need to lose forty or fifty. Right. Absolutely. So that's why we really need new kinds of interventions. Yeah. And, and most of the people I see, honestly, have done all of these things. Yeah. Have done. You know, oh all gosh. sorts of weight loss diets, everything. They'll tell me stories, and half the time I have to look them up because I'm like, right. I never heard of that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like, you really did the cabbage soup diet? I, I didn't <laughs> think that was real. I thought that, that was kind of like a lemon joke. The water, the honey. Oh, all you, that. okay. There you yeah. go. Yeah.
2: You know, I want to talk about also gastric bypass surgery and lap band surgery. I have done, over the years of practice, I have done probably greater than 3,000 weight loss pre surgical psychological evaluations. Mm-hmm. And they would look for clearance. The surgeon would say, can you clear this patient for surgery to make sure they can follow our instruction? You know, we would have people that would come in for a behavioral evaluation who were looking to lose 125, 150 pounds and say, I can't live anymore with like this. I've got to do this. But through the testing, we found they were not going to be able to follow a new diet and a new restriction. A lot of times the surgeon would do it anyway. And those patients' lives were miserable, miserably effective because it changes everything in our life, right, overnight when you have that surgery. But what I want to go back to real quick is during COVID, you decided to get boarded in,
0: is it, weight Obesity medicine. Obesity yeah. medicine, yeah. yeah.
2: Talk about what did you do to get boarded in obesity medicine?
0: Well, it was something that I, like, again, I had been using oral agents like mm-hmm. metformin yeah. with patients on antipsychotic or mood-stabilizing right. medicines probably for years before mm-hmm. that. They're not FDA approved for that. And then many of the medicines that are approved for oral medicines are psychiatric medicines like Mm Welbutrin or Naltrexone Mm -hmm. or Topiramate, Topamax. So I was already familiar. I was watching this field, but some of the trainings required weeks in different parts of the country. And I have three small children. So the idea of going to New York City for (laughs) weeks and undergoing conferences and doing all the work was really, really daunting. So for many years, I put it off. Mm -hmm. But then with COVID, a lot of these things went Uh, online. And I was able to do it in odd hours and looking, you know, watching, studying, doing all the things that it took to get board certified. And then telling my patients about it, I wasn't sure how they would respond. Again, it didn't feel. Most people that are in obesity medicine are internal medicine doctors, family Mm -hmm. medicine. right? So endocrinologists. Mm -hmm. So I felt like a little bit of an odd, but I think the response has been fantastic and people really like the conversation. I started earlier now. We talk about those patients. I know we yeah. see these patients that are saying, I will not go on that medicine to find gain weight. I just, it's very reassuring to say, don't worry, I am totally sensitive to that. Let's think of a strategy. Yeah. And even if you did, we can find ways to take it yeah. off. Yeah. Because really the mental health is the primary concern sure. for these issues. If you're manic or colossally depressed or psychotic, uh, the weight loss has to be secondary. Absolutely. You know,
2: it's so interesting. Again, I'll tell you, talking about the reception of what you're doing and, you know, old school psychiatry, probably never would have thought about, oh, well, yes, they're gaining weight, but that's not my issue. And right. I think it's amazing that now psychiatry is looking at it, saying, I see that my patients are gaining weight and I yeah. hear their complaints of it. And now I'm boarded in something that now I can do something to help about it, right? When Medically I'm, appropriate.
0: Yeah, even when I was doing the training, yeah. I submitted the reimbursement. Doctors, yeah. when you do that, and you're working, yeah. I worked at a local yeah. hospital institution. Yep. And I submitted the reimbursements for some of the training. And the hospital administrators were like, what what are you doing? Yeah, It was put off. They didn't pay it for a I think they eventually did. And I yep, think right. for that, but yeah. they put it off. And even other doctors yeah. were like, what are you doing this for? How is mm-hmm. this going to help our patients? Because we don't, we wouldn't talk about it. And a lot of doctors don't talk about the long-term risks. Right. Patients are like, what are the side effects of this medicine? And they might say, you might be sleepier. You know, you might have constipation. You might have that da, that. But they don't say, because we know yeah. if we you could potentially gain that's a dangerous right. amount of weight right or and that's one of the things left
2: weight. out of oh and you can gain 20 or 30 right
0: and especially you know if you're in a hospital yeah. for a week yeah the doctors are moving very quickly they're not thinking about they're right. trying to get you stabilized that you're not suicidal you're right. not homicidal yeah. to get out of the hospital but the long-term complications is in the office are staggering i'm talking about risk of cardiovascular disease risks of stroke risks of Joint disease, the pressure that's put on joints, a lot of people, their joints wear out. And you talked about gastric bypass surgery, but a knee replacement's not exactly an easy thing to Uh, recover from. That's right. And and then even increased risk of cancer. So I've had patients that, unfortunately in my practice over the years, died many years too early from the complications of obesity because we weren't targeting that as really an underlying condition that was going to have a cascading effect. Sure. And all those other health conditions.
2: Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the new interventions, weight loss interventions that you're using and seeing great success in in your practice.
0: Well, I'm so excited right now. I feel, yeah. I wasn't practicing at the time, but I really feel like right now in obesity medicine, with all the new interventions, must have been a, what it was like for a psychiatrist practicing at the dawn of Prozac, yeah, exactly. like in the late 80s yeah. and the SSRIs. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some fantastic new and really game-changing interventions. Mm-hmm. Most people will think of them, they'll hear about injectable, there are three currently on the market that are, are used. And these are really different from the old-time appetite right. suppressants, which would suppress the appetite. You'd lose weight mm-hmm. and then you'd stop them and you'd gain it all back. Right. And some of them even had abuse potential. Sure. So that would lead to some of the yo-yo, yo-yoing that people right. talk about. And there are some good oral medicines, but I think a lot of people that I have come to my practice right now are talking about these injectables. There are some that are daily and that's marketed as loraglutide mm-hmm. or Saxenda or victoza. They have different names. It's very confusing. Yes, it I'll is. I'll explain that just briefly. Is that if it's FDA approved for diabetes, it'll have one name, Victosa, Ozempic, Munjaro. Mm-hmm. If it's FDA approved for that was for diabetes. If it's for weight loss mm-hmm. or obesity, then it will have a totally different name. Right. Like Saxenda or Govi. Right. So Yeah. And why GOVI will, and Ozempic. Are pretty much the same. Correct? Same thing. Yeah, same but you remember back in the day, yeah. remember for when Will Butrin was FDA approved for oh, yeah. smoking exactly. cessation and they called it Zyban? Yeah. Okay. This is a little, a little bit of a shell room. game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, say, yeah. So you know, it, it's different. It, it's confusing to people. Yeah. And I was it telling, telling you serious. earlier, I had someone who just called and left a message. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, hi, my name is Emily, let's yeah. say. And she says, my friend said I needs to talk to you because I need to be on. Something, and she starts saying like, oh, 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 uh, uh something that, you know, yeah. and yeah. call me back. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't even leave her that last is name. Great. That's <laughs> so great. It has entered the yeah. popular culture, sometimes yeah. in a negative way, though. Right. I had a, a woman in her 50s. This is someone I know, very educated, smart. She says, you know, I want to talk to you about this new medicine. And she said, it's approved for weight loss. And I said, no. I said, that one was approved this summer, but right. it's for diabetes. She said, no, no, it's for weight loss, because on my TikTok, I saw a video about it.
2: Oh, and TikTok is absolutely, you know, Dr. Google. Yeah, so, I said I've been
0: Google yeah. Doc before. I never yeah. TikTok Doc yeah, before. Right. So I. Yeah. And she, so people are hearing about it, but some yeah. of them might not fall into a category or might have health complications. Like you right. said, with gastric surgery, Sure, you need to talk to your doctor before just going on those. Absolutely. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. Hollywood,
2: right? Every yeah. day when you look at your Apple News on your iPhone or you look at a really any newspaper or online newspaper, you're seeing articles about this miracle and again they're calling it weight loss drug, right? right? That's FDA approved for diabetes, but people are using it for weight loss. Let's talk a little bit about Ozempic because, you know, at J Flowers we see a lot of patients from Los Angeles, the LA yeah. area.
0: And every one of them ask about Ozempic, it seems yeah. like. So talk about
2: Ozempic for just a minute and the proper use of Ozempic.
0: So Ozempic is the brand name. It's mm-hmm. semaglutide. And then it's also FDA approved for obesity under the name Wagovi. Right. But most people are, are seeming to attach to the Ozempic yeah. and it's heavily marketed. Yeah. And then there's a normal pill of it, Rebelsis. So this is even more confusing, but let's just leave it <laughs> yeah. out of there. But basically, this medicine is a weekly injectable medicine. It is not like an injection into your muscle. It's a rather painless injection into maybe abdomen, basically subcutaneous fat. So you barely feel it. Uh, Very, very tiny. And this medicine is really a game changer because it's a metabolic medicine. It's a GLP-1 agonist. We're Mm -hmm. not going to go into all the biochemistry, but basically it radically slows down gastric emptying. And what that means, when you have a meal, you will get fuller faster, and it will slow down your GI tract so that, you know, though fast food you won't get a few bites of that burger right those chicken you know strips before you're going to feel really full and we talked interestingly i'm going to have some patients because i know your deep background Mm -hmm. in addiction medicine that some people say some certain foods taste different alcohol tastes differently for some, and i don't know how to fully put that in but i've had some people that just will not drink and some sugary Mm. snacks don't taste the same but Yep. It really can allow people to lose. The studies show at least 50% of your total body mass. So think about that. So we talked Amazing. about that person yeah. is 240 pounds. Then you could start talking about a 30, 35, reasonably expect that's a 30 right. to 35 pound. And that starts saying, okay, wait, I could get to 200. I could get out of mm-hmm. the 2X size. Right. I could get back into shopping at a regular place. Right. That's really powerful mm-hmm. for them. And that's really different from when you say the diet and exercise of losing yeah. 5% of your total weight. That's it's a huge difference. It yeah. is huge.
2: You know, I was talking to a patient the other day who has been on, I can't remember if it was Wygovia or Ozympic, but nonetheless, the patient had been taking it for about six or eight weeks at that point. And she was saying that prior to starting it, she was what I think is referred to as grazing, right? Mm-hmm. A grazer. So she would walk by the kitchen and if there was a jar of M&Ms on the counter, she'd stop and grab three M&Ms yeah. and snack on them or she'd go through the kitchen. And if there was a candy bar at the office or somewhere here, is, and she tended to order dessert after meals, right? Mm -hmm. After dinner, when they went out to dinner and she said, and she was not an alcoholic, didn't have a history of alcoholism. No one in our family had a history of alcoholism. And so she was a social occasional drinker. And she said, it's so interesting. My grazing has completely stopped. I walk through the kitchen and I look over and look at some M&Ms and I just turn away and keep walking. She said, I don't even think about it anymore. She said, but one of the interesting things that happened to her was, is she said it also, you know, she said, I may have gone out on a Friday night with friends or neighbors and had three or four glasses of wine. wine." She goes, it's so wild. I can have one or two glasses of wine. And then I just say, you know what? I'm good for the evening. And so, you know, not being an alcoholic and, but cutting down the number of drinks, right. From four to two. Makes a big health difference.
0: Yeah. Makes a big health difference. But I've had some people, you know, it really brings up sometimes people's attitudes because I've had some emergency phone calls after people started these medicines, (laughs) especially the ones that really lead to some (laughs) substantial weight and said, you know, it's 11 o'clock and I haven't had breakfast. And I said, okay. And they'll say, well, breakfast is the most important meal of the (laughs) day. And I said, well, who told you that? I mean, You know, so that's one, you know. Yeah. Romans didn't even have breakfast. Exactly. They didn't have a word for it. Right. Some will call me and say, you know, urgently, I'm really upset. Mm. I didn't clean my plate. I have food left over my plate. What do mm. I do about this? Since I started the medicine, I can't clean my plate. Mm. And I said, well, okay, that's a good thing. No, my you know, my mother or my grandmother said, you always okay. have to clean yeah. your plate. Yeah. So that people might eat two times a day, that they might not graze, that they might yeah. have smaller meals, I think is really helpful. It sounds a lot like the intermittent fasting. It's it also so yeah. popular these days, right. but also not having that sweet tooth or alcohol calories yeah. so that's probably good for someone's weight loss absolutely i
2: remember many many years ago john travolta told oprah they were talking about weight loss yeah. and he said everything on my plate because the way i've lost my weight is, is everything on my plate i fill my plate the way i always have and then i eat exactly 50 percent of it and it seems like with ozempic or Wegovy yeah. or these other medications that you're prescribing for a healthier lifestyle that we're seeing that people eat about 50 percent of it, 50, percent, yeah. but not the whole plate. And they're not fatigued. They're not tired. They have more energy. Yeah. They've even, you know, not that it's a motivator, but psychologically, it's a motivator to get up and go to the gym.
0: Well, you have said that, but I think if you really look at the field, mm-hmm. it was always focusing on diet and exercise. So yeah. the over, that's why I think it's been a sea change in the whole field and why I'm interested in it now. Yeah. Because it was always, the field was always looking at diet and exercise. Yes. And regardless of that, and really, I think making people feel bad about their lifestyle choices, like it was a moral failing Yes. as, and what I'm yeah. seeing is the exact opposite. I see people who go on the medicine who ha- don't do anything with diet and exercise, right. yep. and then they lose the first five or 10 pounds yeah. and they start to make a change and they say, you know, I got my husband to drag the, the thing <laughs> from the garage, you know, either the stairmaster yep. or the Peloton or the bike oh, or yeah. the, and they drag the treadmill into their bedroom yeah. and then they start eating, you know, I'm going to cut the fast food down, yep. cut it to maybe once a week, once or twice instead right. of. Four times a week, and they start making it's almost like it gets them started, right? As opposed to the traditional, which is, and you probably know this Mm -hmm. in in gastric bypass. I think the doctors say you need to lose this much before we'll consider you to be a surgical candidate. We want to see your buy in that you have, quote unquote, skin in the game, right? And I'm seeing the exact opposite when people start to lose, it becomes a virtuous cycle. Of course, people say, Hey, looking a little better, absolutely, you're buying a smaller size, you get to like throw out some of those clothes or donate them, (laughs) absolutely. And when we're not
2: pushed to do something, or we're told if you don't go exercise, pretty much you're a loser, right? And what this is doing is, is psychologically motivating us to get out, feel better exercise because we're getting positive feedback anyway. Yeah. Instead of that negative feedback, let's talk about BMI. What's yeah. a, first of all, tell our audience, what is BMI? Yeah. And for an average or typical, however you want to
0: describe it, male, female, what's a healthy BMI? Sure. So BMI is, you know, is controversial and much maligned, but it's still Mm -hmm. what defines overweight or obesity. Sure. Specifically, a BMI of 25 or above Mm -hmm. is clinically overweight. That's 25 to 29.9 above 30 Mm -hmm. is obese. So when I use these terms, that's that. And you can calculate these things. There's online, just Google BMI calculator. But if you want to be mathematical, it is your weight in kilograms. Mm -hmm. So the pounds divided by 2.2, that's your kilograms. And that is divided By your height in meters, again, we don't use the metric system, squared. So now BMI does not apply to some of the people you and I see. Right. Any elite athlete will come in, especially a running back, and will be clinically obese, even though their total body fat might be 6%. So these people, it's not going to apply to certain people. And kids, we use growth charts. Mm -hmm. And if you remember the pediatrician's office, they'll have different growth charts. Mm -hmm. And they're 95% of a percentile of weight is what we right. consider obese versus 85% for overweight in kids. But bottom line, that's something you could look at today to mm-hmm. see where you are. And some are going to be dismayed because some people I've had in my office, when I tell them, you know, it's clinically obesity. This mm-hmm. is a medical condition. They'll say, well, no, I'm just curvy.
2: Right. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. or um, I'm, I'm big bone. I'm big bone. Yeah. And, and it's, I don't try to say it to reinforce stigma, but mm-hmm. we really need to understand that this is putting them at risk. Right. That this could take healthy life years off. This could raise your your risk of cardiovascular disease. And a lot of times I'll ask about family history. And you can really get into someone's, if you've known someone who died from a stroke or had diabetes, and especially if they've had complications of diabetes, with had multiple amputations mm-hmm. and such a nasty illness, yeah. how strongly linked they are to, to overweight or obesity. Absolutely. So that you really kind of raise their awareness. And for many of them, they haven't even had health care. For right. many years, including my doctor, lawyer patients, Dr. Flowers, you know, this, you Oh know? yeah. <laughs> so then there, you do some labs or that, yep. or you just check their blood pressure and yep. surprise, surprise. They have hypertension or yep. high blood pressure. They have diabetes, mm. they have cholesterol problems. And that's when you start to say, this is an issue we need to address and it is reversible Absolutely. and you give them hope. Yeah. So that's,
2: that's a, And that's the key indicator right there is I think giving people hope when people feel right. hope they're motivated, right? When they feel hopeless they feel hopeless and they act hopeless. You get a whole
0: lot of childhood stories. I've had some, I mean, people tell me that their parents put them on a quote unquote fat farm and you hear, or they were teased relentlessly or they had nicknames. I ask Mm -hmm. about that now in my evaluation because it brings up a lot of the childhood trauma that comes with it. That also prevents people from taking appropriate action. And just telling them that was, that was you at 10 or 14 Mm -hmm. or 18. Mm -hmm. This is you now. And this could be the new you. It's very empowering. I think that's where so much of the interest is. However, we talked about the Hollywood it's not there for the five no. or 10 pounds before the holidays, right. which i got some of those calls That's too. That's right. Yeah. It's bad. really meant for yeah. the best response for those people who really clinically meet right. criteria for that.
2: And is there an age criteria in your mind for using weight loss management in your
0: clinic? You know, increasingly no. Mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, some of my best results mm-hmm. are in my teenagers mm-hmm. because the biggest rise in obesity across our country yeah. right now is in youth. Yeah. And we talked about some of the factors and yes, but they are also highly motivated. So they're yeah. some of my most motivated Once you, A lot of them have not been taught how to eat. And I know you do that here at right. Jay Flowers very well, yeah. but a lot of people don't know. So you tell them where you talk to them, you give them, my teenagers are really inclined, right. but they also seem to respond very well to these interventions. Sure. And increasingly that I'm offering to them. Whereas in the beginning, yeah. I was just focusing on those people I've treated for years, usually adults in their 30s, 40s, or right. 50s that have already started to have complications. I think it's Probably, well, I'm in mean, child psychiatry is to catch people earlier, right? Before really all the problems, secondary issues that develop with mental illness, mm-hmm. most of which develop before the age of eighteen. Right. In fact, half develop before the age of fourteen. It's the same thing with obesity. Before people have high blood pressure, right? You know, diabetes, joint problems. Get them early so Absolutely. they can lead a healthier life.
2: I agree. What about male versus female? Are you seeing a difference in the percentage of males versus females that come in? I would think, in my own mind, it's probably more females, but I'm hoping that you're going to tell me no way. Those days are gone, and it's equal male-female.
0: In my practice, no, but I have a couple of patients that happen to be female that are are wonderful apostles and tell every all their friends. And I think there's a little bit more of (laughs) like, how did you do that? Yeah, you've lost a lot of weight, right? And once you tell them it's not surgery because no one wants to do surgery, then they start. So I think it is. I hope it is because many men in this country are silently suffering from that. Men already live a much shorter lifespan than women in our country and diabetes, heart Heart disease and obesity, all of those things. Many of them stem from from obesity and overweight. That is one way. So I hope men listening will take it in themselves. And if it's for cosmetic, that's fine. But, you know, if they think it is, but it really is for their health.
2: Absolutely. It's for long term longevity and health. Right. Yeah. Well, Dr. Stevens, unfortunately, we're just about out of time. What do you want to leave the audience with in talking about a healthy weight, a healthy lifestyle? And I also want to know, how does everyone reach out in, to your office and get an appointment? Because I know <laughs> everyone's going to want to do this. <laughs> well, Who wants to be healthy that needs to be healthy? Well,
0: you can yeah. look at my websites, dot S-T-E-V-E-N-S-M-D.com. Stevens, yep. They can go on there, find my information, see if this is right for them, book an appointment. I want people to, anyone listening can make a healthy lifestyle ch- change today. Yeah, Limiting... Those high sugar, high fat foods. Look at, read some labels. If you don't know what those ingredients are, it's probably a processed food. That's right. So cook yeah. at home more. Mm-hmm. Uh, cook with family. Get your kids co- cooking with you mm-hmm. because you're teaching them how to eat portion control. Yeah. I guess Doctor the John Travolta. Right. You know, yeah. you don't or may, maybe get smaller plates. Right. Exactly. <laughs> In your house maybe yeah. not big plates. That's right. But also trying to target 150 minutes per week of exercise. Yeah. Try to prevent yourself from getting to that place in right. overweight or obesity. Right. But if you're already there, seek help, talk right. to your doctors, reach out to people like me, Jay Flowers Health Institute. You have right. a whole team here. I'm absolutely, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I'm just in my office. So reach out to teams. And then when you're, if you've had a positive journey, tell yeah. people about yeah. it, share it. Cause yeah. a lot of people still have not heard about it or hearing or have preconceived absolutely. notions like it's a, yeah. like it's a personal failing, like a character right. and it's not. Yeah.
2: You know, speaking of that, what I want to say real quick and I'll wrap up with this as well is, Patients whom have long-term depression and obesity, what we're seeing is when they're coming to see you is we're not only seeing a decrease in their weight over time, we're also seeing a significant decrease in their depression, right? When we feel better or we look better, we feel better, right? When we're satisfied with our bodies and we're out doing things that we stopped doing because we didn't feel good and we're exercising a little bit more and we're not grazing in the kitchen and we're not getting up in the middle of the night to go grab some food. Or ice cream out of the freezer yeah. like maybe people used to they intrinsically feel psychologically better so we've seen amazing results here at j flowers long term for patients that really need this again i'm with you you know i know it's very popular in hollywood and la and some people are util- utilizing it that may not be obese right. what we want to stress is this really is for obesity talk to your doctor about it but most importantly call Dr. Stevens because he's board certified in this and you need to see an expert. So Dr. Stevens, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, You bet. Absolutely. Reach out to jflowershealth.com or 713-783-6655. Thank you everybody for tuning in today. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and pretty much any other place that you can listen to a podcast. Thanks, Dr. Stevens. Thank you. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next Thanks week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank yeah. you.